हेलो बॉडीज वेलकम टू द शर्मा शो दिस इज माशी शर्मा योर होस्ट सो गाइज टूडे यू आर गोइंग टू लिसन ऑन फाइंडिंग द मीनिंग्स सो हेयर वी गो स्पॉटिंग द इम्पॉर्टेंट वर्ड्स इज ओनली द बिगनिंग ऑफ द टास्क इट मेरली लोकेट्स द प्लेस इन द टेक्सट वेयर यू हैव टू गो टू वर्क देर इज अनदर पार्ट ऑफ द फिफ्थ रूल ऑफ रीडिंग लेट एस टर्न टू दैट नाउ लेट एस सपोज यू हैव मार्क द वर्ड्स दैट ट्रबल यू वट नेक्स्ट there are two main possibilities either the author is using these words in a single sense throughout or he is using them in two or more senses shifting his meaning from one place to another in the first alternative the word stands for a single term a good example of the use of important words so that they are restricted to a single meaning is found in euclid in the second alternative the word stands for several terms in the light of these alternatives your procedure should be as follows first try to determine whether the word has one or many meanings if it has many try to see how they are related finally note the places where the word is used in one sense of another see if the context give you any clue to the reason for the shift in meaning this last will enable you to follow the word in its change of meanings with the same flexibility that characterizes the author's usage but you may complain everything is clear is except the main thing how does one thing find out what the meaning are the answer though simple may appear unsatisfactory but patience and practice will show you otherwise the answer is that you have to discover the meaning of a word you don't understand by using the meaning of all the other words in the context that you do understand this must be a way no matter how merry go roundish it may seem of it first the easiest way to illustrate this is to consider a definition a definition is stated in words if you don't understand any of the words used in the definition you obviously can't understand the meaning of the word that names the thing defined the word point is a basic word in geometry you may think you know what it means in geometry but euclid wants to be sure you is you use it in only one way he tells you what he mean by first defining the thing he is later going to use the word to name he says a point is that which has no part how does that help you bring you to terms with him you know he assumes what every other word in the sense sentence means with sufficient precision you know that whatever has parts is a complex whole you know what the opposite of complex is simple to be simple is the same as to lack parts you know what the use of word is and that which means that the thing referred to must be an entity of some sort Incidentally it follows from all of this that if there are no physical things without parts a point as euclid speaks of it can't be physical this illustration is typical of the process by which you acquire meaning you operate with meanings you already possesses if every word that has used in a definition had itself to be defined nothing could ever be defined if every word in a book you were reading was entirely strange to you as in the case of a book in a totally foreign language you could make no progress at all This is what people mean when they say of a book that is it all greek to them they simply have no try to understand it which would be justifiable if it were very really in greek but most of the words in an english book are familiar words these words surround the strange words the technical words the words that may cause the reader some trouble the surrounding words are the context for the words to be interpreted the reader has all the materials he needs to do the job we are not pretending the job is an easy one We are now insisting that it is not an impossible one. If it were, no one could read a book to gain an understanding. The fact that a book can give you a new insights or enlighten you indicates that it probably contains words you may not readily understand. If you could not come to understand those words by your own efforts, 
then the kind of reading we are talking about be impossible it would be impossible to pass from understanding less to understanding more by your own operations on a book there is no rule of thumb for doing this the process in something like the trial and error method of putting a jigsaw puzzle together the more parts you put together the easier it is to find place for the remaining parts if only because there are fewer of them a book comes to you with a large number of words already in place a word in place is a term it is definitely located by the meaning that you and the author share in using it the remaining words must be put in place you do this by trying to make them fit this way or that the better you understand the picture that the words so far in place already partially revealed the easier it is complete to the picture by making terms of remaining words each word put into place makes the next adjustment easier you will also make errors of course in the process you will think you have managed to find where a word belongs and how it fits only to discover later that the placement of another word requires you to make a whole series of read adjustments the errors will get corrected because so long as they are not found out the picture can't be completed once you have had any experience at all in the work of coming to terms you will soon be able to check yourself you will know whether you have succeeded or not you will not blithely think you understand when you do that in comparing a book to a jigsaw puzzle we have made one assumption that is not true a good puzzle of course one of all whose parts fit the picture can be perfectly completed the same is true for of the ideally good book but there is no such book in proportion as books are good their terms will be so well made and put together by the author that the reader can do the work of interpretation fruitfully here as in the case of every other rule of reading bad books are less readable than good ones the rules don't work on them except to show how you bad they are if the author uses words ambiguously you can't find out what he is trying to say you can only found the word he has not been precise but you may ask does not an author who uses a word in more than a single sense use it ambiguously and is it not the usual practice for the author to use words in several senses especially their most important words the answer to the first question is no to the second yes to use a word ambiguously is to use it in several senses without distinguish or relating their meanings for example we have probably used the word important ambiguously in this chapter for we were not always clear as to whether we mean important for the author or important for you the author who does that has not made terms that reader can come to but the author who distinguishes the several senses in which he is using a critical word enables the reader to make a responsive discrimination in offering terms you should not forget that one word can represent several terms one way to remember this to distinguish between the author's vocabulary and his terminology if you make a list in one column of the important words in another of the important meanings you will see the relation between the vocabulary and the terminology there are several for the complication in the first place the word that has several distinct meanings can be used either in a single sense or in a combination of senses let us take the word reading again as an example in some places we have used it to stand for reading any kind of book in others we have used it to stand for reading books that instruct rather than entertain in still others we have used it to stand for reading that enlightens rather than informs now if we symbolize here as we did before these three distinct meanings of reading by xa xp xc then the first usage just mentioned is xabc the second is xbc and the third is xc in other words if several meanings are related one can use a word to stand for all of them 
for some of them or for only one of them at a time so long as each user is definite the word so used is a term in the second place there is the problem of synonyms the repetition of a single word over and over is awkward and boring except in mathematical writing and so good authors often substitute different words having the same or very similar meanings for important words in their text this is just the opposite of the situation where one word can where one word can stand for several times here one and the same term is represented by two or more words used synonymously we can express this symbolically as follows let x and y be two different words such as enlightenment and insight let letter is for the same meaning that each can express namely and gain in understanding then x y a represent the same term though they are distinct as word when we speak of reading for insight and reading for enlightenment we are referring to the same kind of reading because the two phrases are being used with the same meaning the words are dif- different but there is no only there is only one term for you as a reader to grasp This is important of course if you suppose that every time an author changed his words he was shifting his terms you would make as a great an error as to suppose that every time you use the same word the terms remain the same keep this in mind when you list the author's vocabulary and terminology in separate columns you will find two relationship on the other hand a single word may be related to several terms on the other hand a single term may be related to several words in the third place finally there is the matter of phrases if a phrase is a unit That's it. If it is a whole that can be a subject or predicate of a sentence, it is like a single word. Like a single word, it can refer to something being talked about in some way. It follows, therefore, that a term can be expressed by a phrase as well as by a word and all the relation that exists between words and terms hold also between terms and phrases. Two phrases may express the same term. One phrase may express several terms according to the way its constituent words are used. In general, a phrase is less likely to be ambiguous than a word because it is a group of words, each of which is in the context of others. The single words are more likely to have restricted meanings. That is why a writer is likely to substitute a fairly elaborate phrase for a single word if he wants to be sure that you get his meaning. One illustration should suffice to be sure that you come to terms with us about reading we substitute phrases like reading for enlightenment for the single word reading to make doubly sure we may substitute a more elaborate phrase such as the process of passing from understanding less to understanding more by the operation of your mind upon a book there is only one term here a term referring to the kind of reading that this book is mostly about but that one term has been expressed by a single word a short phrase and a longer one This has been a hard chapter to write probably a hard one to read the reason is clear the rule of reading we have been discussing can't be made fully intelligible without going into all sorts of grammatical logical explanations about words and terms in fact we have actually done very little explaining to give an adequate amount of these matters would take many chapters we have merely touched upon the most essential points we hope we have said enough to make the rule as a useful guide in practice the more you put it into practice the more you will appreciate the intricacies of the problem you will want to know something about the literal and metaphorical use of words you will want to know about the distinction between abstract and concrete words and between proper and common names you will become interested in the whole business of definition the difference between defining words and defining things why some words are indefinable and yet have definite meanings and so forth you will seek light on what is called the emotive use of words that is the use of words to arouse emotions 
to move men to action or change their minds as distinct from the communication of knowledge and you may even become interested in the relation between ordinary rational speech and bizarre or crazy talk the speech of the mentally disturbed for almost every word carries weird and unexpected but nevertheless and an indefinable connotations please think about that in dainty fickable connections if the practice of analytical reading elects these further interest you will be in position to satisfy them by reading books on these special subjects and you will profit more from reading such books because you will go to them with questions born of your own experience in reading the study of grammar and logic the sciences that underline these rules is practical only to the extent you can relate it to practice you may never wish to go further but even if you don't you will find that your comprehension of any book will be enormously increased if you only go to the trouble of finding its important words identifying their shifting meanings and coming to terms seldom does such a small change in habit have such a large effect and that's it this is himanshu your podcast host signing off thanks for tuning to my podcast and i will see you later